If we have decided to follow Christ, we're called to serve Him, to speak of Him to others. The gospel message is Jesus Christ. Everything we share should point to Him. Nothing should point to us. Nothing that we share or say should point to anything else except Jesus Christ and to His Word. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's message, we'll be looking into those that do choose to listen and be sensitive to God versus those that don't want to listen to Him. Listening to God produces something quite noticeable in us, so much that those that surround us will notice also. When we listen to God, the Holy Spirit within us will guide us to do all kinds of things for the Lord, especially feel the desire to share Christ with others that need Him so desperately. Today's message is based on the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. Let's listen to today's message and see what God's Word has to say about all of this. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power and the praise forever and ever. Lord God, I give you thanks for all your goodness. I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the answers that we find in him. Thank you for the life and the light that we have through him. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive my sins. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your mercy and your grace, O Lord, because you are truly merciful and good to us. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you may please guide us, that you may help us to understand, that you may help us to have soft hearts before you. Glorify your name in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. This is the word of the Lord. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God is come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon 
at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I guess one of the questions that may be coming up in some of your minds is, why do we have to talk to people about Jesus? To be able to answer that question, there's something that is key that needs to be answered within you. And that is, what is Jesus to you? Your feelings about Jesus is ultimately what dictates whether or not it is important to talk about him to others or not. Some may see this desire to share Jesus with others or evangelizing as some form of fanaticism. But the question again should be then, what is Jesus to you? What does he mean to you? Or as Christ himself asked his disciples this question in Mark chapter 8, where it says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? You need to ask yourself that question. When you're able to answer that question, then everything else follows after that. If we follow the line as to why these 70 disciples were sent out, we should realize that these 70 people found something in Jesus that made them leave behind whatever it was they were doing. They had some sort of encounter with Christ, and that gave them the urge to just follow him and do as he asked them to do. What did they see in Jesus that made them make such a life-changing decision to just follow him, to be willing to be his messengers. I think we can refer to a series of examples that can help us understand better. Let's start with something that probably most of us have done in one way or another. Let's talk about something as trivial as a job. I would guess that many people have even relocated their families from one city to another, or even from one state to another. And in my own personal case, My father relocated my family to another country on the other side of the planet, from the U.S. to South Korea. Thanks to that move, I was actually partly raised in South Korea as a young teenager. Why did my family make such a move? Well, my father many years ago was offered a great opportunity to go work for a company that produced their products overseas. And so in order to be able to have this job, this required for the whole family to be relocated to this other country. There was a whole life change for all of us. We were living the country we knew, we were the people we knew, leaving behind all kinds of things we were accustomed to. So we could go to this country with different people, with different culture, with different foods, with a different lifestyle, pretty much different everything. Some might say that there is no way they could do something like that, to leave a very familiar place for another place that is completely unknown and different. Yet, My family thought this was a great opportunity, something that was definitely not available for us if we would have stayed where we were. A drastic change needed to happen. And so my father changed jobs and we had to learn a new language. We had to learn how to get around. We had to get used to a completely different form of currency. 
uh, eating was a big challenge at first, just being able to go and do some food shopping. For me personally, I had to go to a completely different school with people I'd never seen before. All kinds of changes, all kinds of new and different changes and challenges. It wasn't easy at first, but something made our family feel that this change was necessary for us. This new job my father had landed was considered valuable enough to take the risk and to change everything. Maybe some of you have had a similar experience. Others may have had a similar experience with uh, pursuing a college degree. Maybe some of you had to change everything in your life to pursue that degree or that training. Maybe you had to take a job to be able to just pay for the schooling. Maybe you had to move somewhere far away from home, away from family. You may have needed to make some sacrifices that involved finances and personal relationships and so on. Yet, you chose to make such life-changing decisions because you saw a value in pursuing that degree or that career. And you were willing to make all of those adjustments because of that. You ultimately changed your whole life around to be able to accomplish that goal. And it was something that probably took years to do. And if some of you took a loan to pay for that education, you are probably still paying for it. Now, let's look at a third example. When you meet someone of interest, that's something that makes practically everyone change things around in their lives. Love produces a very strong persuasion or enough of an incentive to bring out many different changes in your life. As you became more attracted to that person, you probably started looking for ways on how to spend more time with them. That again may have required many adjustments to your daily routine. It's possible that this newfound relationship interfered with other relationships and activities you typically did when you were on your own. But yet, because there is a yearning or a desire to be with that other person uh, to spend time together, the changes didn't seem to be very difficult or sacrificial. Nonetheless, probably wholesale changes took place for both of you and in different ways. All of these examples have something in common, and that is that changes were needed to be able to achieve or enjoy something that has a value, something that was thought to be worth or worthy more than all of the changes and sacrifices and effort that had to be made. It's all very similar to what should be our reaction to Christ. Why is that? Well, let's think about this. And of course, using the identity and characteristics of Christ to help get to what should happen in a person's life. Let's continue drawing some lines, if you will. There are people that we meet along the course of our life that just moves us somehow in a special way. Like when you meet someone that is famous or you come to admire someone and actually get the opportunity to spend time with them. But let's think about Christ and who he is as he explains to us in the Bible. Christ is not only the begotten son of God. He is God as the second person of the Holy Trinity. The Bible explains that when we surrender our lives to Christ or we are born again in the spirit, that we come to have an encounter with God through Christ. Let's think about this. God. Who is God? God is the Almighty of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the eternal one, the everlasting one. So if God is this being, what do you think should happen in a person's life when he shows up and comes and inhabits someone by faith? It can't be just like any other day. This is God. God is more than a person, more than anything else we could ever even think of. He is the greatest being in all of the universe. 
Are you starting to get the picture? Let's continue looking at this. This God loved you personally and individually to the point that he, out of his own free will, without any kind of obligation, gave his only begotten son to die for our sins, for your sins and my sins. I think everyone likes a gift. It feels nice. It makes you feel special and appreciated, right? So how should it feel that this almighty being gave his son that you could have eternal life, something you could never acquire on your own? This incredible and eternal being simply gave you a gift that is immeasurable and unfathomable. Shouldn't that make you feel incredibly special and, of course, unworthy? Let's go on even further. Let's think about this gift of salvation. There is no way that you can cure this sin problem all on your own. You can never earn it. And no matter what you do, you can never get it on your own. The Bible explains it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we all have no right to God's glory on our own. The Bible continues explaining this to us. For the wages of sin is death. Therefore, because of our sins, we deserve, or even more clearly, our sins cause our physical death and our spiritual death. That's the consequences that our sins bring about. And there is nothing we can do about it on our own. The forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation we find through Christ should be something that should leave us awestruck if we truly understand all of this about what is taking place and what we are being saved from. Now let's dig even a little deeper. All of us that have given our lives over to the Lord have received something that is truly unbelievable. And yet, God may have done or continues doing even more things for us when we follow Him. He blesses us in different ways. He has probably even done miracles for us or just a simple fact per se that we continue living and breathing and depend on Him for everything. In my own life, God not only gave me the gift of salvation, but he also healed me miraculously. I wouldn't be alive today if it were not for the Lord. Do you see all of the different and incredible things we owe God? And so with all these things combined, what should we feel for the Lord? I tell you that I still find it so difficult to understand God's goodness and mercy, that he has done so much for me personally and without any kind of obligation. All of these things combined, the things that I do understand, make it more than compelling to follow him, to serve him, ultimately to love him, to strive to give him first place in my life. And why not? What if it came to give my life for him? This is what I submit to you. Could I ever come even close to everything he has done for me? And the answer is no. This same feeling that I have for the Lord is probably the same feeling these 70 and the apostles also had for the Lord. If we truly understand everything we owe the Lord, then serving him should only come naturally. That's what should happen. That is the difference between those of us who listen and those that do not listen. And here is where everything starts coming together. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 2. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Hearing the word of God should make us doers of his word when we understand what it all means and how we need to respond. When we hear about God and what he has done for each of us individually, and in response, we do what he tells us to do, 
in response to what we hear of him, then we are justified by the law, by the word of God. If God tells us to accept that we are sinners and to repent from our sins and we go ahead and do that, we then are forgiven by God. For it is written, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we obey what we hear, then we receive the just reward for believing and obeying, for doing what God tells us to do. If we confess our sins, he forgives us. Romans chapter 10 also says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you see how salvation occurs? Through the confession and repentance of sins, and by accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life? Hearing the word and obeying the word brings about all of the things God promises by doing what he tells you to do. The word also teaches us this in John chapter 14, where it says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Everything comes by obeying what we listen to, by doing what God tells us to do. Everything starts with listening to God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith grows when we listen to the word of God and God's miracles start to happen in our lives when we obey God's word. That is what generates this desire to serve the Lord, to share with others our faith because we have found the answer to life itself through Jesus Christ. It is only natural to feel the need to talk about the Lord when you have come to understand and value what you hear about him, what he has done for you and what he wishes for you to do. Otherwise, if you don't see the value of what God says or what God has done for you, you will lack all motivation and desire to share your faith. Some people might say that their faith is something private and personal, and that is true, but to a certain extent. But how can we keep quiet something that exceeds everything we know and could ever dream of? You can't. It's that simple. We all talk and share about so many things because we feel they are important. There are some people that share the most simple and insignificant things, but no matter how simple and significant, people just go ahead and share. They tell other people about the things they buy, about the experiences they had, about the movie they saw, about the new relationship they started, about the goals they accomplished, and about so many other things. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, just go on social media. People tweet about everything that happens to them or about what they're doing. There's Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Reddit, and let's not forget YouTube. All kinds of social media platforms that allows millions upon millions of people an avenue to make public their feelings, their goals, their accomplishments, their ideas, their sentiments, and so on. People write songs, people people make movies, they do paintings, and so on to express what they feel or to convey personal messages that are meaningful to them. When we do our jobs, we are conveying those things that we are convinced that when we're doing them, that we're doing them right. 
A doctor, for instance, tells patients what to do to get better because they are convinced that the knowledge they possess will help them somehow get better. They don't keep it to themselves. We all share in all kinds of different ways, all kinds of different things for all kinds of different reasons. And so, if we as people do all of that for things that are so inferior to God, how can we then not feel the desire to share our faith with others? Because we are so moved by the reality and power of God in our lives. That's the whole reason for why week after week and for many years now have I been sharing about Jesus Christ with anyone that is willing to listen because Jesus is the hope and the reason for my life and I am convinced that Jesus can also be that for you and everyone that reads or listens to what we're sharing. This is the difference between those that listen to God and those that don't listen to God. And so if we have decided to follow Christ We're called to serve him, to speak of him to others. The gospel message is Jesus Christ. Everything we share should point to him. Nothing should point to us. Nothing that we share or say should point to anything else except Jesus Christ and to his word, just like this passage says. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was the mission of the 70 that the Lord appointed, but because they were willing to do so, because they felt the touch of God in their lives through Jesus Christ. They went out as lambs among wolves. They didn't carry anything with them and went by faith with the hope that others would listen to their message, that Jesus was coming. Here we see exactly what the expectation is for those that desire to follow the Lord, where it says that the laborer is worthy of his wages. So many have used this passage wrongfully to justify a life of luxury to live off the efforts of others. When we decide to serve the Lord, we either follow what is mentioned in this passage in its context, or we work with our hands, earning our own living like the Apostle Paul instructed, just like everyone else. And the message is very simple. The message is Jesus. That's what we need to share with others. But because Jesus has become a reality in our lives, because he has transformed us and changed us, because he has caused the impact that the Bible talks about by giving us a new beginning, a new life, eternal life by faith, through faith in him, by listening and doing what he tells us to do. The main thing in all of this is, How does this relate to you personally? Who or what is Jesus to you? Where we started today. Do you feel compelled to talk about Jesus to others because he has become what he needs to be in your life? If not, I urge you to endeavor to have this personal encounter with the Lord, to search for him with all your heart so you can come to understand what you need to for your own good and so you can come to fulfill God's purposes for your life. God wants to do great things in your life and through your life. God's desire is to bless you and to prepare you for what is coming now, but even more importantly, for what is set to come in eternity, to inherit those things he has prepared for those that love him. When you truly have this personal and genuine and intimate encounter with the Lord and he comes into your heart, you feel compelled to search for him, looking to do his will as you aim to set him on the throne of your heart as a Lord and master of your life, not out of obligation, but rather out of deep gratitude that will turn into genuine and holy love towards him. 
That is what happens when Jesus truly becomes the Lord of your life. When we listen to the Lord through his word and through the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we obey him faithfully, great and wonderful things happen and he automatically takes first place in our lives. He becomes the center of our life, not out of compulsion, but because we have understood who he is and what he needs to be in us. When we are sensitive to his voice, we are transformed, changed and made into something new and different. We're no longer the same. There is a night and day experience in a person that is inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God. The day we give ourselves to the Lord should be the most notable day of our lives because that is the moment that the Almighty stepped into our lives. It can't be like any other day. It should surpass any other experience because of who it is about and because of what is happening. If you do not feel compelled to talk about Jesus, it may very well be a sign that something needs to happen in you so Christ becomes more real in your life. That's the only way that you will understand what you need to understand so that you have something more meaningful and genuine in your life so that you are living out more than just a religion or a practice. Faith in Christ is not a religion or a tradition or anything like that. It is a true and genuine and personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to the Father just as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it is also written, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do because he loves you and only wants what is best for you and for those that surround you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us not only to just hear, but to listen to you, to take in your word, what you want us to live, what you want us to experience, Lord God. Help us to know how to trust that all you want is just our own good. You want eternity for us, Lord God. You want forgiveness of sins. You want life. That's why your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross so that we could have this eternal life, so that we could be able to enter your kingdom, Lord God, and be able to inherit the things that you have prepared for those that love you and follow you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because your love is so great and awesome and incredible in all kinds of different ways, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that and to value that to be able to understand you and who you are and what you have done and what you continue doing for us and what you intend to do for each one of us, Lord God, when we follow you, when we remain faithful to you. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us. Help us to understand what your will is. Help us to understand that you just want to perpetuate not just life, but eternal life. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh Lord, to be able to take that in and to bring fruit forth, Lord God. 
so that your name may be glorified. I pray for every person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may become a reality in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer or someone to talk to, please email us through our website. We would love to help. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcasts in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.